everyone, and welcome back to Poetry Pals. I'm Megan. And I'm Sophie. And this week we wanted to start out by doing a kind of respond and reflect to our topic in the last episode. And if you remember, it was Andrew Marvel's poem to his coy mistress that we discussed last time. And so I have a couple responses I wanted to talk about, one that builds off of our analysis and then one that's a different interpretation of the poem. Um, So the first one, we have a response that builds on what we talked about last time, and we didn't actually address this um, in the episode, but, but one thing we did talk about was the way the tone of voice kind of shifts throughout the poem, and there are three really obvious shifts. And one of the ones we talked about was between lines 20 and 21, where um, the speaker goes from being kind of romantic and bestowing upon this woman his unconditional affection, or at least his promises of unconditional affection. And then he jumps right into, but time's kind of flapping at our backs here, and we should really just, you know, get this over (laughs) with. Um, and at first when I read it, I didn't notice, but he actually kind of builds to that, um, that shift, which seems really abrupt, but before that, he's actually saying, um, a hundred years should go to praise, uh, your eyes, your forehead, 200 to adore each breast, but 30,000 to the rest and age at least to every part. Um, and he's actually objectifying her a little bit there, um, And what kind of sounds romantic, like saying all these parts of her deserve all this time to appreciate, like, though he does, after that, mention her heart, he first mentions all of her physical body parts, Mm -hmm. um, which is really objectifying. And so one response we got was um, that, I'm going to read a quote here, Um, the synecdoche in those lines cuts the woman apart and makes her an object rather than a person. I think the amount of time helps create the separation. It is meant to be romantic. However, the sequence becomes unromantic because the speaker's point is that this praise would waste time, just as her coyness wastes time. He mentions how long he could praise her as a way to get her to sleep with him now. Uh, The speaker really grosses me out, and I have to wonder if we are supposed to feel uncomfortable with the way the speaker constructs his love object. And that's what we talked about last time, that that poem made us feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it was really uncomfortable to read, and it was kind of hard to get through you know this is a really interesting take on it though I never I don't think I ever would have come to that I mean maybe come to that conclusion but I mean I didn't I certainly didn't come to it in our last episode that he really is objectifying her he's breaking her into these little pieces versus loving her for who she is inside and her her brain and her heart right and um it reminded me a lot of if you've ever studied like media portrayals of women and mm. how the way ads one of the things they do to dehumanize women in advertisements is they literally cut them and they only show a segment or like a portion of their body mm-hmm. and so you don't even see the whole person you're just seeing this chunk of like an idealized woman's body and I mean that's one way that advertising like dehumanizes women like I was saying and I feel like that's almost like a really interesting connection to this poem from the 1600s where we're seeing that happening yeah I mean not even just in advertisements though I mean think about music videos Mm -hmm. you know um the media I guess more than advertisements yeah more than just advertisements advertisements are a huge one though I mean think about even just makeup advertisements Mm -hmm. I mean 
scrolling through, trying to find, you know, a different lipstick or whatever. They're not showing the whole person. They're showing just their mouth, you know, yeah. or, and like, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's supposed to be this ideal of this is exactly how you're going to look with this, you know? Right. And that, I mean, that's the problem with using a person to sell a product. The person like becomes the product. Yeah. Um, And I mean, with, like you were saying with makeup and clothing, it makes a little sense, but in a lot of ads where they're not even selling something that is on a woman, they're mm -hmm. using women's bodies to sell that, which is creating more of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's an entirely different conversation, but I think that's so interesting that we see that connection between present day, how women are perceived and then back in that time, how this speaker is perceiving women. Yeah. Um, and then the other response that I thought was really interesting was a much lighter take on the meaning of the poem. Um, and I think that I think that it's not that one or the other is more right. It's that you see both of these things in the poem. Um, and this person said that um, the voice in this poem raises questions surrounding death. How soon will death come? How well would you spend your time if you had eternity to live? How important is it to live your life? Um, and the voice in this poem has this sense of urgency. Death is coming ever so near with each passing second. If we don't live our lives, we lose out on the life we have to live. Um, and I think, uh, and she mentions that the speaker is referring to sex, but, you know, this can apply in a lot of different ways. Um, and one thing I noticed after reading that response is, like, there is this lighter message in this poem of seizing the moment and not waiting for the right time to take a chance on something that scares you but um, could be wonderful because we all will die. And so I think there is this kind of like carpe diem mm -hmm. message as well, even though it is, it's problematic in the context. Yeah. However, I think you can use this poem to teach that sort of lighter side. Yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, it's a matter of how you, you come at it, you know, what angle you come from. Um, I mean, I think one way or another that problematic, um, you know, undertone or not even undertone <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's, it is blatant <laughs> um, you know that the that problematic message that's coming across um I think you know even with that you're right you absolutely could teach that you know time is fleeting I mean he's using it or our speaker is using it in a very very different way than you know seize your moment do what you want like take take, don't take life for granted, you know? Right. And he's using that argument to be a little coercive. Um, Very. what we <laughs> talked about. Um, but I think that the argument still stands. And I think one thing that I also thought in response to this is you could definitely look up um, other poems about making the most of time and find some that are lighter and not as disturbing yeah. <laughs> um, and kind of find that general message if that carpe diem message is what you're looking to teach. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much you can do with that. And it doesn't have to be this. I mean, if you want to teach to his coy mistress, um, how you go about it may be a little bit different. But if you're if you're really going for that carpe diem message, then you can definitely choose something different. Yeah. Or just use it in conjunction. Like, yeah. Co-texts. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a good segue. The poem that we will be discussing today has a lot to do with time. Um, and so today we'll be looking at Nothing Gold Can Stay by Robert Frost. Uh, so here is a recording of that. Too bad it can't stay like that all the time. Nothing gold can stay. Huh? Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. 
her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sang to grief. So dawn goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. Okay, so we were just talking about this. We had no idea that that poem was in The Outsiders. And both of us were like, oh my gosh, we love The Outsiders so much. And I, I've quoted the iconic line, stay gold, pony boy, so many times throughout my life, never realizing that it was an allusion to this poem, which is dumb because it makes total sense now that <laughs> I hear it in that context. But um, yeah, so I guess at the end, once we kind of analyze the poem, we'll get to the connection there. Yeah, I mean... No, I never, I never put those two together. No, and I'm surprised because it makes so much sense. It does. I mean, especially when you think about in the context of the outsiders, but that's a totally different conversation. That's another episode. <laughs> um, okay, so I think the language in this poem, I mean, for such a short piece, it's so rich. It's loaded, yeah. It, it really is. I mean, the first thing really is, I mean... After you've gone through the whole thing, mm -hmm. it's very clearly, obviously, about nature. Oh, um, yeah. But when you take it line by line, you know, nature's first green is gold. I mean, mm -hmm. well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so I kind of want to start with breaking this down, yeah. you know, a couple chunks at a time. I think yeah. that that's our best bet here. Yeah. We can even go line by line if you want to. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, and I, we know that the opening line of any text is usually important, especially in poetry, because, I mean, this poem is what, like, eight lines yeah um and so every word here is important we know that um and so as you're saying nature's first green is gold one thing I wonder and I don't think that we're going to have an answer to this but I think that in other poems by Frost he has capitalized nature even when it's not at the beginning of the sentence probably yeah I mean that's I don't want to get into that because we don't know that for sure right now but either way I think that nature is held in very high regard and mm -hmm. as you mentioned like a ton of Frost's poems are about nature and really celebrate nature I think mm -hmm. well, um, and also not not necessarily just celebrate but admire the power of nature yeah well and especially that capitalization of nature I mean it, it doesn't you know if we don't know we can't really reference any other works but <laughs> um you know in the context nature think of mother nature mm -hmm. you know mother nature is the powerful being that you know, keeps, keeps our world going and, mm -hmm. you know, keeps life going and moving and growing. Um, so I think, I think in and of itself, this really does celebrate mother nature and nature's beauty. Yes, it definitely, nature is beautiful. And I think it, it comes out a little in this work, but subtly that nature is powerful and can be and I want to say scary because this poem is definitely, it doesn't have like a scary tone, mm -mm. but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. We can get into that later, but I do, you were saying, let's talk about nature's first green is gold. That very first line is almost a contradiction because how can green be gold? Mm -hmm. Um, And sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, excuse me. Um, I was just going to say, you know, gold, I guess the first thing about this is that what is gold's? representing here 
you know, is it actual gold? Like you said, I mean, that is contradictory. They're two very different colors, <laughs> but is it, is it really focusing on the color or where, what is our focus here? I think so. How I read it is, well, I'm questioning how I'm reading this. Um, does this mean, I mean, green is like, is to me her first green is like a bud like it's Mm -hmm. after winter when the green is first coming and I think that this is saying is before it's green it's gold okay maybe but I also think you can read that as because you mentioned gold I mean gold is a common symbol of like wealth of Mm -hmm. high value um and I think it is it's celebrating nature and that like the first the first green the first leaf the first bud um is what's the word I want is valuable. Like it's something to be grateful for every spring that it comes. Mm-hmm. It's precious. Yes. Yeah. So for me, I definitely, I read it in a similar way. Uh-huh. Um, first green to me is spring, you yes. know, or it, like you said, it's, it's that first budding of the but, trees. Yeah. And, um, and to me, gold, gold, <laughs> um, gold is, is that value aspect. Yes. So that, that very first bit of spring coming through um life is coming back mm-hmm. you know i mean trees and plants they look dead in winter mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. because that's that's what happens leaves mm-hmm. fall off and yeah. um certain plants you know die um and in spring they come back and life is coming back and that's valuable mm-hmm. um it's something new and it's something bright you know yes um and then do you want to move on to the next line yeah yeah okay so then we have nature's first green is gold her hardest huge hold so right after that kind of celebratory line we have like it's not gonna last right away Mm -hmm. um and I think that adds to the first line and that um it's even worth like celebrating and being thankful for more because it's so fleeting. Yeah. I mean, and that brings us back to that, that idea of time, Mm -hmm. time passing and her hardest two to hold. I mean, that very first bit of spring goes so fast, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And like you said, it is worth celebrating. It doesn't matter how long it lasts because it is so precious and it's Mm -hmm. so new. Yes. And so. I, yeah, and I think that goes into the next lines, her early leaps of flower, but only so an hour. And I think it's interesting, again, that, so it's kind of like green is gold, that comparison between leaf is a flower. Mm-hmm. That's what it's saying there. Um, and I think, I mean, generally people regard flowers as more beautiful than leaves. Yeah. And so it's saying that before it's just a leaf, it's this beautiful bud. Like yeah. Like we were talking about, it's this beautiful flower. Um. And so at like the early leaf, I I feel like I'm just repeating this, but I'm trying to make a point, (laughs) I swear. Um, The early leaf is a flower. It's this, the earliest is almost the most beautiful, I feel like is what he's saying. And that's, that's reinforcing the the meaning of the first lines, I think. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, you walk down the street at the very beginning of spring and all of the trees have white and pink flowers on them. And later on, you know, they're just regular trees, you know? Um, but that first little bit of spring, man, walking down the sidewalk, I just, I'm taking pictures all yeah. the time. And I mean, and we talked about time and life, like you mentioned mm-hmm. and how this is talking about new life in plant form. But when you think about like baby animals mm-hmm. and baby humans, we think they're much cuter yeah. than the adult versions. And that's like, <laughs> 
that's like the Lisa Flower, the the early <laughs> the early stages of life. Yeah, no, and I mean it, it, sounds, it sounds silly, but I mean that's what but it, it makes is. me think of. It's like the the youngest is what we think of as the most precious. Like you said, I mean, because we describe babies and baby animals as precious too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we value that early, early life almost more than we value. I mean, definitely more than we value the rest, which is interesting. Yeah. But then that, but only so an hour again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Coming back to time is passing and it's not going to stay. Yes. And it's that same tone where like um, line one is celebrating, line two is, but it won't last. And then same exact thing with line three, celebrating again, line four. But remember, it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and then we have this, the poem really um, like shifts again. And these next two lines are kind of the, I don't want to say sad, but a little bit of like a wistful tone, yeah. maybe. Um, then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief. And before we were starting this, we were discussing a little of the biblical illusion there. Yeah. Well, so, and I think well, I have a point to make about the the shift in tone, but that'll come later. Okay. Um, I think I think the biblical piece of Eden um is so key because Eden was paradise. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was supposed to be for Adam and Eve. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be this tranquil, peaceful, beautiful place mm-hmm. um, that, you know, provided anything we could ever want. And it was just it was the epitome of everything. Um, humanity could ever need and at the same time Eden sank to grief Eden was destroyed um that was my question though was it destroyed or did Adam and Eve just have to leave they were kicked out originally and then when God saw humanity's lack of caring for one another and caring for nature um he didn't want anyone to be able to go back and find um the garden of eden and find the two trees um and be able to access immortality Mm -hmm. you know they've already accessed knowledge that he didn't want them to have so he didn't want them to have access to the other tree so he destroyed it that's really interesting he destroyed the whole garden he did that's interesting because to me i don't think this poem is about death Mm-mm. And that um that sounds like the death of Eden, which I and of course I my Bible knowledge is not super um extensive, so that's why <laughs> I was a little confused. I always thought that um Adam and Eve just they kind of they kind of ruined Eden, mm-hmm. you know, for everyone. They did what God told them not to do, and mm-hmm. so my interpretation was always so Eden sank to grief, like um they were kicked out, and what it was supposed to be, it could no longer be. Yeah. And so that was, it was kind of, you know, a shift, but it wasn't like destruction. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that kind of, I mean, it changes a little bit how I interpret that, but I, I think it still works. It just. No. And well, and I think it does because it was two different pieces. You know, originally it was just that Adam and Eve were kicked out and we were no longer able to access yeah. this, you know, this paradise. And it was empty. It was. And I think, I think that's a, an important point is that um it had life in it and then mm-hmm. the life was kind of gone. Yeah. Um, And that goes along with what the rest of this poem is saying. But I also think the destruction <clears throat> of Eden, when you know about that, that Eden was, you know, just totally wiped out. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, it's kind of Eden sank to grief. Well, Eden, A, first didn't have life in it anymore. But then B, once it was destroyed, that passing of new life and that passing of peace 
um, I don't think this poem necessarily is about death, but it is about that passing of time and about yeah. that passing of yeah. life and um, and newness and bright and shining and just mm. the the hope, you know, yeah. that new life brings. Yeah. So Eden sinking to grief. There's also that personification of Eden that's sinking what, to that's grief. That's what I wanted to bring up is yeah. the language used there. Um, and why grief almost? Because again, and we're going to get here to like the meaning of the whole poem, but does this mean that like every time like what's new becomes just a little older and like grows even if it is not dead? Does that mean there's grief there? And now that I say that out loud, I think yes. <laughs> now that I process that verbally, I think yes, because this this reminds me a lot of um of like the romanticists mm-hmm. and how they wrote a ton on nostalgia and looking back at childhood is like like you as a child is a beautiful thing and it's a pure and innocent thing. Mm-hmm. But also they didn't they didn't regret growing yeah. and learning. Um and I think that's kind of what comes here. There is grief for what was, but there's also promise in the future. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like the death of the brand new is total death. And yeah. it's not it's not the end. It's just like you have grief for that, but you still have hope, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's kind of how I'm thinking right now, but I don't know if that's specific to the poem. I mean, that it feels right though, because to me the way that I read this chunk was that um Leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, is that it's fall is coming back. Mm-hmm. It's not even just spring and summer moving forward, which it is, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that little bud is now a leaf, and it's changed. Um, so I think it is also partially that it's grown a little. But I also think you're right with that time is passing, things are changing, but there's hope because it's going to come back again. Yeah. So it's almost like fall and winter when everything kind of dies out and goes away for me at least I hold on to that hope of okay spring is coming and in just a couple months things are going to go back yeah yeah and I mean this poem is very um the language is focused on nature and I I'm just wondering if there is a more metaphorical meaning Mm -hmm. like about humans oh absolutely people and life like like our lives because that like we, I don't know, we don't have like a spring again yeah. in our life. Like we are babies and children and then we grow up and then it's not, it's not like everything is bad, Mm-mm. but it's never spring again for us, in my opinion. Like I think in our lives, like there's no, there's, there's no like rebirth in a single lifetime. You know what I mean? That is true. I guess that that rebirth of new flowers doesn't ever come again. But if you think about different milestones that you hit. Yeah. And that's true. Because there is that hope for growth and change within a person's life at different stages. Yeah. And that's that. I think that that goes with what we're thinking about. Because I mean, it's really complicated because I think I mean, me especially, I (laughs) I constantly look to the past. And even if it's just like half a year ago I like mourn a little bit for the me that I was Mm -hmm. um even though like usually I think that the me now is better Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's a it's a complicated thing to look back at a time that is familiar and happy and comfortable because it already happened Mm -hmm. and you you grieve a little bit for that like being that time being over even though you know that the you now is just as good or better yeah does that make sense no it absolutely does especially when you think about I mean, going back to the nature aspect of it, that is this poem, Mm -hmm. um, you know, each 
year is a new frame is a new frame to look at you know and things change and sometimes they're better and sometimes they're not but it's the same thing with people you know we have our new springs and everything but the year before we also had it and then it died out and this new year we have it and it's gonna die out again yeah and that happens with people for sure yeah so yeah no I think I think it's it's interesting and it's complicated um and then so we haven't talked about the last two lines which are obviously really important because they include the title. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so dawn goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. And I think that so dawn goes down today is an important line to reinforce um, what we've been saying that this isn't about death. It's about that transition between the very early new and just kind of like normal mm-hmm. <clears throat> because dawn going today, it's not day going tonight, which would be more symbolic of death. Mm-hmm. It's dawn going today. And, oh my god, I have to cough. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so dawn going today is, um, I mean, it reminds me of like dawn is the gold, like mm-hmm. the sun coming up for the first time, and everything looks beautiful oh, yeah. in the dawn, you know. Um, and then it goes today, which is still light and pretty, but it's it's not dawn. It's not the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things change when you watch a sunrise. It's very similar to a sunset. Everything's different hues of I mean, golden light, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming through your window at six o'clock in the morning. It's <laughs> it's bright and it's beautiful. Um, and then the rest of the day, it's still pretty and it's still nice, but it has totally shifted in tone, um, yeah. tone and light. Yeah. And so it's, it is that passing of time again. Yeah. And I wonder if the way we perceive that is affected by how often we actually see it, because I think. I mean, I mean, this is we've kind of we've touched on this and we haven't direct explicitly said it um, yet, but we kind of talked about this poem is about the fleetingness of time mm-hmm. and time passing and how um, like the best things will be short lived, yeah. kind of. Um, and, you know, we have the sun up all day for like, I don't know exactly how long. Um, I mean, probably 12 hours right? Does that make sense? Yeah. We have the sun up all day, but we only get sunrise and sunset for an hour each day. Mm -hmm. And so it's that like, it's special or is that a word? Because because we don't get it as much. Yeah. Well, and then every day it changes too. Mm -hmm. You don't get the same sunrise. You don't get the same sunset every single day. Yeah. And you don't even get the sunrise every day because we're in Colorado and it's (laughs) cloudy and snowy and precipitation (laughs) all the time. And half the time I leave in the morning and can't see anything. It's just gray. That is also true. That is also true. Nothing gold can stay, but everything gray can between the months (laughs) of October and February. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, and that, that also brings up the, you know, the value of something like that when we don't get it very often. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, that nothing gold can stay again, that, that passing of time, it does not last. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the stuff that is the brightest and the most beautiful and, um, sometimes the most valuable can really be very fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you hear, I mean, talking about babies and you hear moms say this all the time that like, um, they wish like the baby stage could last longer because even though like you love your kids as they learn to talk and learn to walk and become little people and then become young adults and then become adults. Um, there's something really special about the baby stage, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know this personally, but I've heard a lot of women who are moms say this. Um, and 
I swear I had a play with this and then I lost it halfway through. <laughs> I mean, I look at my neighbors and it's the same kind of thing. You know, I, I have neighbors that didn't have babies when they moved in and then they had babies and I babysat them. And then all of a sudden they're little kids. Yeah. And I'm like, what is, what is going on? It's like, it's, it's just that value of holding on to something so fleeting and so young and so yeah. beautiful and so yeah. new. Yeah. Children are great. So see, this would be good to like teach with your kids and then be like, see why I appreciate you so much because you <laughs> won't be like this forever. <laughs> there are so many things to do with this poem though. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I feel like you can, I think it can be interpreted mm-hmm. in many different ways. Oh yeah. Um, And it'd be cool to give it to students and see what they do with it. I mean, in their own young minds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, how many of them are going to immediately latch onto that that reference to the Garden of Eden. How are they going to read that? Mm-hmm. You know, what is? Yeah. Are they going to read it as, you know, as you did with just the part where you know Adam and Eve are kicked out, but it still exists. There's just nothing left of it. Mm-hmm. Or where I did, where it's yeah. just gone. Yeah. I mean, back to that for just a second. Like I think of it as like if no one's there, like. Mm-hmm what is it worth at all? Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. Um, cause like no one's appreciating it. Yeah. It just, so it's just, it's there. almost like it is not there. Yeah. Um, even though, even if it hadn't been like officially destroyed, like it was getting no use. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything we didn't address? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I kind of want to see, see what other people have to say about this. Yeah, did definitely. we miss something that you think is critical with this? I'm I sure mean, we did. I'm, yeah, there's so much. I mean, for such a short piece, it's so rich. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different ways yeah. to to delve into this. And I yeah. really want to know how other people would, would break this apart. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you again for listening. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you.